0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. That was a story that uh, happened in, in Toronto last week. It really caught my attention. In fact, the headline caught my attention specifically. Six schools threatened with gun violence. Six schools threatened with gun violence last week. How's that happen? When did schools become a target? I know we have answers. We, we, we statistically can point to this situation and that situation, and we can say this criminal act took place in a school and, and children died, and there are horrific stories. But why? How did that happen? Michael Swagstra is a high school teacher in Manitoba. He's the author of What's Wrong With Our Schools and How We Can Fix Them. He's an op-ed writer, including one he wrote in December of 22 for the Fraser Institute. The headline was, More School Choices Would Help Ontario Families Flee Unsafe Schools. It's not just Ontario. It's happening across the country. And I'm curious whether it's mostly in urban areas or not. It's the easiest, probably the easiest deduction is, well, it happens where there are more people. And maybe that's the case. Michael Zwakstra joins us. Michael, you and I have talked for years about the issues that are confronted by our students, our teachers, the issues of education, what has to be accomplished, what our objectives are, but increasingly paralleling those discussions have been the very sad stories, the criminal stories of violence in our schools. I'm not talking just about bullying, and I'm not trying to minimize the impact of bullying when I say just about bullying. Some of the bullying stories we've heard on this program have been absolutely heart-wrenching. But parallel to the education stories have been the violence stories. And this story, this headline about six schools in the Toronto area being threatened with gun violence, that to me crossed just cross the, the barrier.
1: Well, absolutely. And I think it's important to uh, uh, to note here that uh, violence, when it gets to that level, you know, when you have serious physical violence and the threat of gun violence, that takes it to the point where it can't be ignored. And that's, of course, when it hits the news. Uh, but, but it's important to consider that, you uh, uh, that it doesn't just start there that issues when you have concerns about violence and altercations and all that uh, typically that's the type of thing that uh, that escalates and uh, so uh, these stories you know are the most extreme um but uh, there's a lot of things that happen prior to it reaching this point that doesn't get as that doesn't get as much attention but i agree with you that it is obviously very concerning and uh, something does need to be done
0: i can't imagine what it would be like for the the staff the teachers the students in those schools the schools were named what's it like for yep. the parents whose children go to those schools what's it like for the kids who go to those schools it's it, it it's it's horrific and we're no longer at the point Michael, where we say or might be inclined to say, oh, it's just somebody showing off, it's just somebody being an idiot and uh, turning our backs on the situation. There have been far too many violent incidents, far too many school shootings for us to turn our backs on an, on a statement like this or a headline like this. Police don't turn their backs. Police are there in, in, in force uh, tr- over the ensuing days at those schools. And that's of some comfort, I'm sure, to the staff, the students, and the parents but we cannot turn our backs on this this is this is very serious business what's it like to be i mean i'm sure you've talked to your colleagues i don't know if it's happened in your school but what's it like to be in a school environment when violence of of, of that level is threatened
1: well it's obviously it's obviously very serious and very concerning and you know teachers are human as well and uh, certainly do feel uh, the impact of that i mean everyone wants to be able to uh, go to work safely and return home safely and when, uh, when things escalate to that point, then obviously that becomes very stressful for everyone involved, both teachers and students. And uh, you know, one of the, the uh, cases that I wrote about in the op-ed for the Fraser Institute that was published in the Financial Post uh, was simply uh, summarizing some of the information available in mainstream media about serious cases of uh, ongoing violence in some Toronto-area schools, uh, where you had, uh, in one case, you had uh, at one high school, you had 14 staff members that refused to go to work on a particular day, citing unsafe working conditions because of all the violent assaults, drug deals, and near-daily fights that were taking place. And uh, in fact, there was even, in that school, there was even a, a, a jump list that was being circulated, which, of course, is a list of people targeted for attack. That obviously is a, is, is an extreme case, um, but that is an example of a situation where you have ongoing problems, not simply one day or one person you know, calls in a threat and then police respond, but rather, where you have many days, weeks, and months where you have incidents to the point where uh, where staff members don't want to go to work, and that uh, obviously, uh, you you can't have any. There's no learning happening when everyone feels unsafe. I no, mean, if you don't feel safe, no, in I, school, I can't imagine. No one can teach. No one can learn.
0: Who bears responsibility? Is it society? Is it uh, permissive attitudes for school board management? Um, who bears responsibility for the fundamentals of this?
1: Well, the simple answer is that the responsibility is borne in a lot of by a lot of different uh, areas. I mean, obviously, you know, we can always point to society, uh, but I would I would I would if I had to zero it down, you know, the administration of schools, the administrators and I'm talking about like, you know, the school board superintendents. And then the principals and vice principals who run the school, uh, they have control over the policies of the school. They are the ones who decide, you know, how do we deal with uh, altercations and violence? Um, do we uh, do we take a more uh, assertive approach where we deal directly with problems and where we're willing to remove students who, who are violent for, you know, and do that for a period of time? Or are we taking a more permissive approach? Uh, where we want you know to reduce you know to not have student suspensions and so do everything we can to keep them in the building even when it makes other people feel unsafe so the philosophy that an administrator uh, brings in uh, has a huge impact of the culture of a school so uh, the, and and I would also say school boards have a lot of responsibility i mean as, as a case in point you have school boards such as the Toronto District School Board that removed their school officer resource program that took that out where you had police officers you used to have yeah. police officers in school not just when a crime had been committed, but rather in school on a regular basis, building relationship students and helping um, just provide support. And you've got these woke school trustees that in places like Toronto that are saying, no, we've got to defund the police. We need to take the police out. And so now the only time police come in is when there's an actual crime that happens. And uh, I just view that as very, very short-sighted.
0: I go back to the headline, six schools in Ontario threatened with gun violence. Gun violence. (laughs) You know, fist fights. I mean, when I was in high school, a couple of guys would have a disagreement over something or other, and uh, you'd meet behind the curling club, and there'd be a couple of uh, lefts and rights thrown, and then when it was over, it was over, and everybody walked away. But we're talking about, the headline is, Six Schools in Ontario Threatened with Gun Violence. Uh, Let's take some calls, uh, Michael, and please just jump in uh, when we're talking to our callers, and... If you hear them say something that you want to respond to, please do so. Jeff is in Edmonton. Jeff, thank you for the call.
2: Uh, My wife works at a high school here in Edmonton, and they've had, I I believe they're called SROs, they're a a, a police uh, representative on site for years. And I believe it was two years ago that was removed. I don't know if it was budgetary or considered, uh, there was some other reason. uh, Primarily due to the school superintendent. But the rate of crime and uh, happenings that have gone at school have increased incrementally, and I know all the staff at the school would yearn to have this police officer back on site. But there's no sight of that happening in the near future, and I agree with the, uh, your your guest that it was the superintendent and the administration that made that decision. But at the ground level, it is desperately needed. The ethnical battlings are getting out of control.
0: Let me just jump in here for a second and ask you this question. Was there a sense that there was a relationship that was built between the police officer and the students that they actually got to know each other. And there was a level of trust between the officer and the students, which made the environment more positive.
2: Very much so from, from what I've heard from my wife for years was that the, the police officer and they've had a couple over the years became very engaged in the students and the community and of course, the no, the do, the do no gooders, uh, don't care. But for to a large
1: extent, yes, very much so. Uh, Michael, yeah, I totally agree with your uh, uh, with the caller here. I, it it just baffles. Uh, it's just baffling that uh, that school boards are choosing to remove these uh, police officers, the school resource officers, uh, from schools. Uh, they uh, provide uh, important support. Uh, it's a great opportunity for students to build relationships with police officers. Um, you shouldn't. The only time you see a police officer shouldn't be when you're being arrested for a crime. You should you should be building relationships with police officers early on and seeing them as uh, as regular people. And well, sure, so to sure. have a police officer within the school providing support and yes, able to deal with you know bigger issues as they arise. Uh, those are all very good reasons to have police officers uh, in schools, and uh, it's very unfortunate when uh, superintendents are taking them out. And it's, uh, uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's misguided, and the evidence shows that.
0: Michael, is this a consensus view? If I were to go to schools across the country and I were to ask staff, teachers, whoever is involved, the adults in the school, if they were comfortable with the idea, if they supported a police officer being in the school during the school day, would I get that response from a majority of people or never mind a majority, I'm, I'm pretty, almost I'm unanimously? Sure you
1: would. You, you may not get that response from a majority of administrators who are farther removed from the realities of, uh, in the ground, in the classroom. Hmm. Uh, but I obviously I know many teachers who are fully supportive of having police officers okay. in school. And I will say not all school boards have taken them out. I mean, uh, Winnipeg has several different school boards. It's a little different that way. And some of them, the school boards have taken the police officers out. Some have kept them in. So this is a decision that ultimately can be made by trustees. And so if, if, if listeners want to make a difference on this, it's ultimately the trustee who makes the final decision on matters of policy right. such as this. And so if you want police officers back in schools and they've been taken out, lobby your local trustee. They are elected. They are supposed to listen to you.
0: Okay, I'm going to get another caller on... If, if I may? Yeah, if, go ahead, Jeff.
1: With the
2: lack of that uh, role in a school, it then falls upon teachers... Who are ill-equipped and don't have time, are underpaid or whatever. They're not. They're not equipped to deal with this kind of thing that the police otherwise would be better off.
0: Was it? Is it? Uh, is it more difficult for your wife as a teacher in the teaching environment without the police officers' presence?
2: Uh, I would say it is indeed because when there's something that happens at the school, you're calling upon the nearest, as a rule. I'm sorry, the nearest male. Uh, be it, of, of of authority, be it a principal, a vice principal, or a teacher. And no one wants to be put in that position. That's not what, they're, okay. that's not what they've been hired for. That's not their job.
0: All right, Jeff, I appreciate the call from Edmonton. I do have an email from uh, Blair in Edmonton. Blair writes, for Edmonton, it was the board of trustees, not the superintendent, as far as removing the uh, the police officer from the school is concerned. In Vancouver, Mark Mark, what's your what's your take on all of this violence in schools?
1: Uh, well, I mean it's it it's terrible. Um the reason I'm calling in no is I've got to take issue with something guest said earlier. He made a bit of a derisive comment in terms of, you know, the woke people wanting to take uh police out of the classroom and he I mean, he's not an uneducated man, but it sounds like to me he's really missing the point of of what that is. So When we talk about defunding the police, it's not simply only removing police services. It's about changing police services to bring in... And we're talking
0: about violence in schools, Mark. We're talking about violence in schools. So let's stay on that. Let's stay on on focus on this because we only have a minute.
1: So if we're talking about violence in schools, we have to ask, why is the violence happening?
2: And what do we need to do to prevent the violence from happening? And it's not necessarily having... Police officers in schools—it's a much bigger question
0: that gets down to yeah. um, okay. having the right Okay, folks Let me just bring Michael in on this. Don't go, don't go anywhere, Mark. But I want to bring Michael in on this because we only have a minute. Michael, you're being challenged on this.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I would just simply argue that uh, you know what having police officers in schools do, and they're not needed in every school in every context, um, but they can provide much-needed support and uh, uh, and uh, in dealing with issues immediately as they arise. It's not the it's not the final. It's not the ultimate. You know, like uh, solution for everything in terms of obviously there's broader societal issues, but the 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 implication here that we have to fix all of society's problems and eliminate child poverty completely before we can deal with violence in schools, that that just simply makes this uh, this this an impossible goal to achieve. And as far as defunding police, I mean. When you defund, you reduce funding. So whatever word games you want to play, if you're cutting funding to them, one of the first things that tends to get cut are things like school resource officer programs. And so, um, obviously, right. I'm not in favor of defunding police or of cutting their funding. We have I, I think we have, have literally
0: more. 20 seconds. Uh, final comment to you, Mark. Real quick.
1: Okay. So real quick, defunding police doesn't mean to have we, re, we need to reduce services. Uh, the other issue is that it's about getting great police in.